And let's do uh, number three. Three, one, two, three. Yep. For a quick remedy to the always embarrassing itch. It's another episode of The General's Wake Up Call. And now, Ren and David. Bienvenidos a la llamada de atención general con Ren y David. What did she call me? Ren y David. Hey, uh, Ren. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I, I'm excited that we have this guest with us today. Me too. And uh, we're doing it via uh, Facebook feed. I'm not sure what a FaceTime, what is this that we is got? Is this FaceTime? Is it through Apple? Yep. Yeah. We're doing FaceTime. We're doing FaceTime. And, uh, and Joey, you are in, uh, oh, wait a minute. I've got a couple, I've got some questions for you and I know you got a, I know you got a great sense of humor. So, and you told me I could ask you anything on our, on our pre-roll. So, <laughs> sure. um, but you are in where in Arizona? Uh, right now I'm in Fort Mojave. Fort, Fort Mojave. What's that close to? Is that down by the border? Yes. Not too far from Yuma. Um, and I'm not, I mean, it's, it's basically that trike, like that Cal Neva area, right off the Colorado River, um, Laughlin, which is where the casinos are, oh, yeah, the yeah, little yeah, yeah. and, and Needles, California. Oh, so you, you, you've got, a, you kind of got the best of all words. You can head to the border or you can, uh, stay in Arizona or you can go to California. But my question to you is, how hot is it there, man? Right now, it's it's a, it's a beautiful day. It's eighty one, no green. Uh, it's just very, it's very nice. I mean, you know, I'm in jealous. this area, Abi Desert, there's three months out of the year where it's like you're on the surface of the sun. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, or, you know, and it's windy because you're in the desert. So it's like when you're walking outside, it's like standing in front of a big hair dryer. You know, <laughs> like you're getting hit with all this hot wind, but. Aside from those three months out of the year, it's just amazing. It, you don't realize, coming from the East Coast like I do, that every day you're thinking, oh, what's it going to do? Is it going to rain today? Is it going to snow? Here, you know, every day you wake up, it's beautiful. You go outside, you drink a cup of coffee, you're looking at the mountains. And you, you know, so so you're, you're close to mountains. Close to mountains uh, then. You're close to mountains then. I didn't realize that. Uh, surrounded by 360 yeah. degrees, right near above. Well, you know, it's funny now when they tell people I'm near BLM land. Yeah. <laughs> that phrase has been changed. I border on, I bought my, my, my house borders on thousands and thousands of acres of BLM. Well, be careful. <laughs> I know. I'm bit by a strange, I had, I had a nice uh, run in yesterday with a, a couple of, uh, with a couple of, uh, uh, road runners. Oh, nice. They just came right up to me in, in my little porch there, and they were hanging out. I don't me, know me. what was the connection there. I, they were getting I away. guess like, like a coyote. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they were getting away from the coyote, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've discovered this is our first um, phone interview like this. So I, I'm discovering that uh, whenever we talk, you get you cut out. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, tr- we'll try to be a little bit more careful on when we uh, when we speak, so That'll that we're be on the same page. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why that is, but yeah, it cuts you out. It could be just the equipment, the way we have the equipment set up. But um, we have the alpha mics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is an alpha mic. It's that's an for alpha sure. Alpha mic. 
Um, all right. Well, let me, I, I got to ask you, Joni, Joey, uh, Joni, uh, Joey, I got to <laughs> ask you, uh, because uh, my daughter-in-law is from Poughkeepsie. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But, but she was born there, but you know, she's, uh, they're, they're traveling the United States now, but they lived in Arizona for a while. But my, my question to you is, cause I know you were originally from Brooklyn, right? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and Joey Leone, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's about as ta- Italian as you get. Hey, isn't Joey. It? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because years ago, breaking into show business, I had a manager at the time that said to me, he said, you know, we, we really should consider changing your name to a less ethnic name. Or, <laughs> you know, a, you know, a little bit easier for people. I said, OK, let me think about it. So the next day I said to him, yes, I'm going to change it to Bob Leone. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Leone sure. is your is your given name, right? That's uh, that's what you're born with. I was Joseph. 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 Well, but Leone, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I figured Joey oh, was yeah. a nickname. Yeah. I figured Joey was a nickname. Put that out of a book. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, you know, I did an interview a few years back with, uh, and you may have heard of him, Anson Funderburg. Of course, yeah. Yeah, well, I did an interview with him a few years ago. And, uh, of course, I asked him the same thing. Funderburg, that's your name? He goes, yeah. And he goes, you know, it was rough trying to get that thing on a big chief tablet when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, no doubt. A good thing he didn't play team sports. Yeah, no, no. Oh. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, listen, I have, you know, I have been um, a fan of yours. We did an interview together. You were traveling through. And right. uh, we did an interview together when I was at uh, Pirate. And uh, you were playing out at uh, Northern Edge Casino, I think, that night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to go a little bit deeper because you you have done a lot of things in your career, not just just play music. I, 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 you fascinated me on our pre call that uh, I didn't know you did uh, that you were so much into medicine as well because we were talking about my condition. But let, let's right. talk let's talk about your musical career. I mean, how did it get started? Uh, well, you know, I never really. My mother was a singer. My mother was a professional singer. She went by the name Rose Lorraine, and she was a great singer, but she succumbed to retinitis pigmentosa, which is a a debilitating blindness at an early age. So she, between that and marrying my father, who had just come back from World War II, Mm. who didn't exactly like the idea of his wife being on the road with 32 guys. (laughs) You know, so, so... but I grew up around great musicians. My dad um, ran nightclubs. I was around musicians. My father's side of the family are great lovers of music, great appreciators of music. They don't play. But my mother's side of the family, there was a lot of musicians. So I never thought I'd ever be good enough or worthy enough to try to make a living at it. You know, when I was a kid, musician was a, was a profession. It was like bartender. It was really not like the Beatles and you were going to become rich, famous and powerful. You were a musician. You played, you lived in a nice house. You you drove a nice car. Your kids went to a decent school. You were a professional. And I just never saw myself as that, as that talented or, or gifted because I was among so many great musicians. But as time went on, I developed skills that 
were kind of diverse. Um, I learned my way around a recording studio. I was a band leader. I was very good at being organized, organizing stuff and, you know, getting people together. And I think the combination of things contributed to me falling into a career as a musician, I guess. Did you, um, didn't you tour with a couple of different pretty good sized bands before you actually broke out on your own? We'll be back after a quick break. Traeger's Bar prides itself in bringing together positive people and sophisticated spirits. A truly welcoming group with New Mexico roots, locally owned and operated. Traeger's offers specialty drinks, classic libations, domestic and craft beers, wine, and cocktails. And for folks feeling a tad peckish, the doghouse is right off the patio with hot dogs, wings, nachos, and much more. Located at 5170 College Boulevard in Farmington, their website is traegersbar.com. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I had, well, I mean, I, I, I played with some famous people, you know, uh, I was a union musician when I first started at 18 years old in New York at local 802, which is the American Federation of Musicians. And uh, one of the funny stories is my first professional gig with the union was with Vic Damone, who was a famous singer in the Frank Sinatra type mode. I remember uh, Vic Damone. Yeah, Vic Damone. Yeah. And so, but I got fired 45 minutes into the first rehearsal because I got a little. And, uh, but, but after that, I, you know, I played with some well known people. And then uh, I just started to kind of, uh, you know, really think about playing music for a living. I was a bass player at the time. And then, and I was 21, I got a job working in dialysis. I became a dialysis technician. Uh, a cousin of mine was a nephrologist and uh, he saw I had this, um, as he would say, soft. Uh, he well, saw, I, repeat that. I'm he, sorry, you cut out on this. What was that? You, he had what? He said he saw my, my cousin was a doctor and he saw that I what he called soft hands. Soft oh, hands. yes. He said I had soft hands because I was a musician and I. He saw me do a procedure on somebody in my family, believe it or not, because he had a broken arm and he had to stitch up somebody in my family and he couldn't do it because he had a broken arm. And he asked me if I had the stomach to do it. And I said, yeah. And he after that, he said, you know, you should really think about getting into the medical field. And I was just like, whatever. But music itself was a scary thing to really try to base your whole life on in my early 20s, because I wanted, you know, like I said, I wanted to make a living at it. And the political situation in New York with the Musicians Union had changed in the early 80s, where it wasn't as easy to get gigs that paid well. So I started in the hospital as a dialysis technician, an EMT first, because you had to get certified as an EMT before they trained you. And that's kind of how it all kind of you know started for me, but. Music is a tough thing to do if you want to play music you like. Yeah. To make, if you want to be a miserable musician and play music that you don't like, at least in those days, there was an opportunity to do that. But I've always been too selfish for that. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I very humble background. And I never really 
I always wanted to do what I liked for a living. And I loved working in the medical field. I loved working in dialysis. I was working with mostly um, lower income patients in the inner city of New York in the 70s and 80s, which was culturally just unbelievable to be exposed to. So it was it was a great time for me. And I learned something about being available for people and serving people as opposed to a musician where it's all about you when you're dealing with sick people who are bleeding and vomiting and having you know medical issues you pretty much have to do whatever has to be done and it was a great part of my growing up to be able to do that and have that balance musicians a lot of times don't have that balance uh, the, so early on, I was able to achieve that balance. And then the fact that I worked a day job, I was able to do music that I wanted to do. Well, you, you know, you, you are extremely educated. I mean, I want to, first of all, I want to promote your YouTube channel because, uh, I sat and watched that. Um, and I, and I got, I got an education. I mean, you really have studied the blues. You know, I, I come from the standpoint of, you know, I remember some of the names, uh, but to me, B.B. King was the king of blues. And if somebody was right. asked me to, to get it right now, uh, yeah, he was the one that uh, was instrumental, but he wasn't. He was, uh, he, he had his fans as well. And you go into great detail on your YouTube channel about how it actually got started. And, and what I really liked is you played a steel guitar. Um, like, and that what it's called a steel bodied guitar is it's actually brass. It's, it's called a resonator guitar or a dobro, um, which is the name of the company, which people know it as, but yeah, it was a guitar that Hawaiian musicians played initially. And then the blues musicians liked it because it was louder than regular acoustic guitars and they could make more money playing a louder guitar. Uh, fast forward to Jimi Hendrix, of course, sure. um, you know, uh, you could impact people with the, with that, with that metal bodied guitar. Yeah. I, I, you know, I have a, I have a good friend here who is also, he's kind of a legend here around the four corners and that's Kirk James. And, uh, one of the first interviews I did with him, he played that, uh, that steel bodied guitar and it just, the sound of it is, you know, it really, it doesn't need an amplifier. It just, it, it's got a sweet, sweet sound to it. And it's, and it sounds electric. Well, it does. It has it has an edge to it. Now they make them made out of wood, are more suited towards the country players, people like Jerry Douglas. You know, they're they're a little bit softer sounding, a little bit more organic sounding. They're not quite as uh, rebelly and and as cutting as the metal ones are. So you'll see the country musicians go towards the wooden dobros, and the blues musicians go more towards the metal ones. All right. Well, listen, um, let, let me get out before I forget. Uh, Joey Leone, the, it, it, do you have a website? A, a you, what was it? YouTube channel is under? A- I mean, yeah, joeyleone.com has a lot of my, you know, uh, you know, information about my career and things like that. I mean, obviously, I haven't toured in a year because of the pandemic. So we usually will have updates on my thing. But in all honesty, the website kind of has almost become an afterthought these days to Facebook and Instagram. Um, it just seems to be the, the thing that people go to. And in all honesty, I 
I, the, I have the real Joey Leone on Facebook. That's my fan page. And then I have my personal page. But, you know, in all honesty, I think part of the success that I've had in the last 10 years in the age of, you know, social media is the closeness that you start to be able to get to people on a personal level. We'll be back after a quick break. Is your to-do list too much of a load? Is your business piling up? Well, you're in luck. Have you heard the scoop on the poop group? Whether it's poop stool, duty dump, whatever happens at your dog's rump, we'll take care of it. We are Farmington's one and only poop scooper. We provide weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly pet waste removal services. Call or text 505-330-0081 to schedule your poop scooping today. Don't be fickle with your fecal matter. Call the poop group, where your dog's business is our business. Uh, I I can um, you, you are I, I missed your show at uh, Northern Edge, which I I, I'm, I kick myself for, um, but I I saw videos. Yeah, I would love to see. Well, they're opening back up, so they're supposed to open this month, I think, or maybe the first of April, something like that. So I, I'm going to highly recommend, and I have kind of an in with the guy over there. So I'm right. going to call Scotty and say, Hey, man, we got to get Joey back. Um, cause I would, I would definitely love to see you again. Now, um, I, I you know, I lost my whole train of thought. Um, like I said, this is our first time doing a, uh, FaceTime feed, uh, on here. Right. And so we're, we're, we're adjusting as we go to make sure that we get, what you're saying out and I want to be able to play. I want you to play something for me as well. And you know, I, you gave me a CD when you were through and I've got it someplace. It's just a matter of putting my hands on. I've been looking, scrounging for it ever since you and I talked a week or so ago. Well, it makes an excellent coaster as well. (laughs) You can always balance your cup of coffee on it in the morning and not mess up your nice coffee table. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, here's what we, we're going to take a little break, okay? And uh, we're going we're to pay uh, some of our sponsors. And I would like when we come back for you, if you don't mind doing a tune for us, I mean, I, I, I've sung your Facebook feeds. I don't, I want you to do whatever you want to play. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I, I really, I, I fell in love, not, not that I want you to do this one, but I really fell in love with Mrs. Robinson. Um, you did it on Facebook. Which one? Mrs. Robinson. Oh. That's one of yeah. my favorites, too. Oh, my gosh, man. That was, I don't know. I, I thought that was better than Simon and Uncle. <laughs> 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 Honestly, it was pretty good name Skippy. <laughs> but anyway, let us go to, let us go to break. And uh, when we come back, we'll get ready, be ready and play for us. Okay. Sounds good. You know, I, I, um, I, 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 I really am in total awestruck with you. I just absolutely adore you, Joey. I just want you to know <laughs> your your whole. I, I hope people will that are listening will uh, at least go listen to that history of the blues because uh, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you that I can tell that you're you're very passionate about it, and uh, and it really it did educate me, and uh, <laughs> I, and I and I and I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you know, for me, the, the, the blues was, was, was like, you know, when you're growing up in the inner city, you dream of places that you think you'll never ever see. You know, 
a lot of kids that grow up in the inner city, you never think you're ever going to escape, you know? So for me, when I was a kid, I would, I would listen to these blues records and I'd imagine, you know, the cotton fields and what it was like in the Delta. But I also watched a lot of Western movies. And my dream was always someday to come out to the West, the Southwest, and never thinking again that I would ever make it out there. Uh, so, you know, I think part of the attachment of artists is you can't always write about your own life. There has to be an alternative world that exists for an artist that they draw from that exists in their mind and maybe hopefully they can touch it someday through their music. Uh, and then, of course, the fact that I've you know, traveled for a living, I've been lucky enough to be able to sample a lot of these different places, see you know, what was fantasy and what was reality. Sure. I, I listen. I, I just. Uh, I think you, 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 and I know you've had some hardship in your life. I know you have have lost a, a, a child, um, right? Uh, and then you have uh, another one that has um, a disability. Yeah, my daughter suffers from uh, from epilepsy. So you know, uh, yeah, that certainly is a. Um, those two situations with your children will certainly bring you to a place in your life where you start to see what, you know, I remember one time right after my son passed away, I was, I was booked a private party with this guy in New York city, a very, very, very rich man who, who uh, when I lived in New York and around in Vermont, I used to get calls to do these very, very up end parties. And they would pay me an exorbitant amounts of money to be able to play a half hour of Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix or, and this guy canceled a party on me. And it was like, a, you know, it was a big money party. And he said to me, we met in Manhattan. And he said to me, you want to tell me face to face? And he said to me that he had lost money, all his money with uh, Bernie Madoff. He had lost, I think, $130 million. Oh, this my guy. God. And he said to me, he said, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And as a somebody who had just lost a son, <laughs> it was part of me to jump across the table. But I saw in his eyes the same pain and suffering in his life. And I asked him, how are your kids? Are they OK? I wasn't saying it sarcastically. I just needed to kind of know. And he said, oh, thank God my kids are OK. But I saw the same and I learned that suffering, which, you know, Buddhists talk about this. Suffering is equal. You know, some person might suffer so much because they lost the, 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 uh, a child or they lost a loved one or lost a, 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 a spouse. And then some people, because they lost money, it's equally as bad to them. And, and, I, and I, instead of being angry at him, I kind of felt sorry for him because, in essence, he had lost connection to the human part of life and had succumb to something that was so much was transitory obviously one day you're worth 130 million next minute you're meeting some schmuck like me and explain to him why you had to cancel a party <laughs> wow well listen i can only empathize with you i i because i I'm, I'm not lost a child i don't know what that would be like you know it's it's not by design that we are to bury our children they're to bury us and so uh, man i i 
I feel your pain, and uh, and I and I appreciate the fact that uh, uh, your your attitude toward it is very uh, enlightening for me. Well, in all honesty, it's a very complex thing, and when people say to me, "I can't imagine what it's like," I always say to them, "You don't want to." Because it's so complex. But in all honesty, I, I honestly must say that my son passing away was, in a way for me, he became my teacher and I became the son. Mm-hmm. He, he handled sickness and the way he transitioned. You know, we only experience two miracles in our lives. And that's our birth. And our death. The fact that he suffered for 12 years, you know, half of his life suffered quietly. Most of my son's friends didn't even know he was sick. That's how that's how he lived his life. I, I think a week before he died, he was playing golf. Yes. You know, and it just it just you learn so much. But I, I, I honestly, at the beginning, I took it very personal. I was praying every night to God, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? You know, what did he do? What did I do to deserve this? What, you know, all this typical stuff. But eventually you feel stupid making it about yourself. And you start to look at it in a more, uh, I don't know, global way, for lack of a better term. And you realize that life is, anything is possible. You know, people say anything is possible in life. That's true. Anything is possible. And some of us might live a life where our children are happy, healthy, and successful. And some of them might struggle. It's not a damnation. It's not a, uh, it's not a curse. It's just the way things work out. I knew a guy in Brooklyn who won the lottery twice. <laughs> and when he won the lottery the first time, we used to laugh because we'd watch him buy lottery tickets. We say, what's what's wrong with this guy? He's he's an idiot. And he won again. Now, if that's not odds upon odds of odds, and that's that's just the way it, it life is. You know, you, you you show up and you get what you get. And you deal with it the best you can. And you know, it's like this whole pandemic thing. I mean, basically for the last year. What I do for a living has basically been outlawed. And it's, I said to myself, you know, I'm going to sit here, maybe lose my home, maybe cry the blues, you know, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, But I decided that at that point, I was going to do something I never was going to be able to do before, which is sell my house in Vermont. And move my entire family to the Southwest and give everybody a chance to experience this beautiful place that I had dreamed of living in. And they all came here and everybody's done well and and we're all very happy. I wasn't going to take that. You know, the kid from Brooklyn wasn't going to take that slap in the face of losing my livelihood and uh, not try to do something with it. That's the way you do. You know, that's that's the survival mentality of growing up in the inner city or growing up wherever you grew up. You know, you study about these people, you know, the Dust Bowl. 
You, you hear about people in the dust bowl, people who came out west and covered wagons through hostile territories. You know, uh, Native Americans who I've known, I've now got to befriend and know many Native Americans from many different tribes. Their stories. This is nothing what I experienced compared to them. That's the human spirit. And that's what musicians, you know, that's why you notice on Facebook, I don't really get into the politics stuff. I try to make everything into a joke because as far as I'm concerned, I'm playing to everybody. Yes, I have my beliefs and yes, I have my likes and dislikes. But I believe that when people come to Joey Leone or they come to a Joey Leone show, they're coming there to escape life and have a good time. And I'm not going to preach to anybody. I went to a concert one time at Madison Square Garden. Um, there was two artists. So I'm not going to name their names, but two very well-known artists. And the whole concert, they were telling me how much they wanted to save the rainforest. And I looked in my pocket and there was a $70 ticket. Get <laughs> <laughs> into things. And they were selling rainforest t-shirts for $40. Oh, no. Wow. And, and I like, you know what? I don't want to be preached. I want to come hear your stupid records. See if you can <laughs> exactly. replicate you know? And I don't want to be told that, you know, every time I use a number two pencil, I've cut down four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, you know, that is that. That's the way a lot of people are. And I and I appreciate your whole attitude. I mean, I am trying to do the same thing. It, it, but it's, I stay away from anything political. I mean, even some of my good friends that have no idea what my political views are. But, you know, it causes so much controversy. And and we've, I, I feel we've raised a bunch of babies. I mean, there's a lot of people that get butthurt so easily that, you know. You know what? Well, can I interject and say what I think it is, too? Yeah. I think it's a lot of virtue signaling. I think a lot of people know that these words and the right combination means they get social points. And they don't really believe in what they're saying i think it's a lot of mixture of a lot of things but there's just another side of it there well they can certainly be big when they're on facebook and, and oh, stuff. Yeah. face to face they don't have those kind of conversations you know that well, I mean, you know as a kid that grew up in the street and was a fighter and you know i i you know i mean i was a, a tough kid from the street I always defended myself and you know i mean i think it's kind of silly but i'm going to tell you a little antidote uh, a little story from my past. When I was working in dialysis, I had this patient of mine. He was a very well-dressed man from Russia, but he was a Russian Jew. His name was Mr. Grossman. And he was he came in every day for his dialysis treatment in a suit with a tie. I mean, the antithesis of what a lot of my patients were. But he didn't speak much. And he said to me one day, he said, uh, you, he said you're a pretty smart guy. He says, I hear the words you use and the way you speak. You're you're educated. I said, well, not really. Actually, I was a high school dropout, but <laughs> I, I read a lot. Yeah, I read a lot and I spent a lot of time in libraries. And he said to me, he said, you know, I want to tell you a secret. He says, we Russians, we laugh at you, Americans. And I was like, this is this is 1980. He's telling me this. He said, we laugh at you, Americans. I said, what do you mean? He says, in Russia, we have the worst system in the world. We know it. It's one party. We know it's the worst system. You have what you think is the best system. You have one more choice than the worst system. He said, you have two parties. He said, 
at least in our country, they don't lie to us. We know it's terrible. Wow. But in your, you get to pick between two people. It's really, it, it almost, when he said that, as a common sense person, it was like, wow. And to this day, I will, I, I have beliefs that are right side of the aisle, left side of the aisle. I'm a free thinker. George Washington so, said that a two-party system would bring the downfall of our country. Right, and he had wooden teeth. Yeah, yeah. he did. And he had wooden teeth, and even he knew. <laughs> right, a guy with wooden teeth even knew. <laughs> right. Now, I wondered what kind of wood they use for the teeth, you know? Right, do they polish it? Does it splinter your gums? <laughs> it had right. to be hardwood. Is it oak? Is it balsa wood? Did they have, you know... You know, curly maple, maybe, you know, it's like, you know, it's a, you know, I don't know. It just, but yeah, I mean, so I, I'm not going to get into arguments with people over things. I mean, healthcare has become politics. Can you uh, believe it? I know, but I see that. Healthcare is politics, it's healthcare. If you decide that you want to either do something or not do something relative to your healthcare, it's now a political decision. It's unbelievable. It's like you're taking aspirin for a headache. Tylenol <laughs> <laughs> is a lot less. I'm like, okay, but aspirin works for me. I know, but that's not right. It's wrong. And then you start taking Tylenol, and then next week someone's like, actually, Tylenol's canceled. They found out that they're like destroying rainforests. Yeah, I'm too kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I, I, you know what? I would love to go on, but i got to get you to play some music for me. And I, and I also, okay. sometime in the, in the podcast, too, you know, we have a thing called Ask Rin and David, where we have people send us emails, and I would, we, we would like to share one with you and get your input on, uh, help us answer one if you if you. Oh, want. please, yeah. yeah. I, I, from a lack of opinion, but, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I can pull off Mrs. Robinson on short notice, but I'm going to give it a shot. Well, it's up to you, man. You can play whatever you want. It, I, you know what? I'm, you know how easy I am. Just what are you mean? <laughs> All right, let me try it. All right, let me get a little. As Jackie Gleason used to say, how sweet it is. <laughs> <laughs> And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hide it in the hiding place where no one ever goes. Put it in the pantry with your cupcakes. It's a little secret, just the Robinson's affair. Most of all, you've got to hide it from the kids who cook at you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. 
short version of Mrs. Robinson. Oh, man, it was great. Short, you, sweet, to the point. Yeah, that was on the spot kind of that. Oh. oh, yeah. It, I, I would like for you to do another one for us, and then sure. let's uh, then we'll do email and take another break and come back and close everything out. But uh, All right. I, I'm going to probably add the songs that uh, uh, the ones that you uh, that that you like the best on the end of the podcast that are pre-recorded and ready to go. It's like it's like my songs are like my children. I, I guess I'm going to be that guy that says that finally. But That's you know, fair. it's yeah. I mean, it's it's anyone that you like is my favorite. Gotcha. At the you know, I'm, I'm I'm a servant to the public, and you know it's it's funny. I, 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 another quick story. Uh, I was opening up for the New Riders of the Purple Sage. I don't know if you remember those guys. I do. Like, yeah, I'm opening up for them, and um, I recorded everything I did. I always tried to record my shows, and I'm listening to the cassette of it on the way home, and I hear this riff on the guitar on a song that I had played a million times that was like amazing. This, this, it was kind of like abstract, but it was unbelievably good. And I went home and I'm trying to figure out what I did. I'm rewinding the tape left and right. And I can't figure out how I played this. And I'm going crazy. A friend of mine calls me up next week. He goes, you know, I got a videotape of the new writer's show. I drive like a hundred miles an hour to his house in Staten Island get the videotape, fast forward to the part of the show where this great riff was on the guitar that I had done, which I had never done before, which is the greatest thing I had ever done. <laughs> and I hear it coming because I've listened to the tape a hundred times. As it's coming up, someone comes over to the stage to talk to me. I lean over to talk to them on oh. my guitar the uh, mic stand. Oh, no. <laughs> so the greatest thing I had ever played it in my life was basically a mistake. I leaned over and the guitar hit the mic stand. Insane <laughs> John Coltrane-esque music that was, you know, the greatest thing I had ever heard at that point in time. <laughs> like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, you know. Yeah, no Drop kidding. the guitar, it's probably going to sound great. But I saw an interview with uh, um, oh, Steven Tyler on uh, the Howard Stern show, and he was talking about one of their songs that uh, – he was playing an instrument at the beginning of it. It's at the beginning of the song. And in the middle, it broke. The instrument broke. And it right. made such a wonderful sound that they just left it in there. <laughs> well, you know, there is actually a truth to the fact that they would leave mistakes on records on purpose because it gets into your mind at a subconscious level. And then I worked for a very famous man in New York City. I, one of the things I did, too, was I did commercials music for commercials and I worked for a famous man named George Lois who's a very very famous like madman type guy you look him up George Lois and he's the guy that came up with I want my MTV so that was his thing oh but wow it was on the fact that he had came up with I want my Mapo which was 20 something years before that it was a breakfast cereal I remember yeah he came up with that and then years later he, he used it again anyway George we had done a uh, a voiceover, and it was it was for um, a, a like a, it was Doctor Scholes or something like that, and it, and it said it prevents leg ache, and the guy that did the voiceover made a mistake and he said it prevents leg ache, <laughs> and I heard the production guy go to George, well we can't use that because he made a mistake. He goes play that for me, let me hear the mistake. That commercial ran at least in New York City on the East Coast for Dr. Schultz for years with the guy saying lead ache. <laughs> because 
George believed that that little mistake would draw people to the subconsciously to the product. Oh, That's I believe that. Ever. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. Tyler was right. No George Lowe. <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, there. I used to do all kinds of uh, commercials, and I and I and I did little things like that to get people's attention. Um, some of them were, might be a little sexual, and I won't repeat those. But um, yeah, it, it just makes people go, "Did he say that?" You know, and so they'll listen for it the next time to see if they can catch exactly what was said. But yeah, right. You, I mean, I don't know. For me, I have a weird sense of humor. I went into a I went into a hardware store one time, and I said to the guy, "I need a little saw to cut out a little piece of wood, something I was making." in the house and he goes oh you need the coping saw just the idea of the word coping saw sounded hilarious to me and i'm picturing myself like coming home from work one day going my wife you know i'm really stressed out at work could you get me the coping saw <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just the coping. i mean who wouldn't need that think of all the to save money on Valium. <laughs> Just give me oh, the- forget those meds. Bring me the coping salt. So. Right. Slices right through your problems. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, give us another. Give us, give us one of the originals. Whatever one you want. Oh. I, I liked, I loved, I'm going to tell you, Joey, I loved them all. I, I didn't, I haven't listened to every single one yet, but uh, I, every one I did, I was like, man, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm surprised you're not rich and famous. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I appreciate what you're saying, but, you know, the, the, the thing with writing original music is that the world now is much different than it was when I was a kid for original music. There's no more, there's no more money in original music. <laughs> that when I put out this, the Dying Breed CD, which was the more rock one that I did, that I gave you, that you lost, but... The, uh, it's around the house somewhere, believe me. A coaster. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that one, I had, a, I had a distribution deal with Sony at the time. Uh, and I had a, a, a kid I knew who, was, who used to do his own music and did his own records. He was a rapper, actually a young kid. And he said to me, why would you sign this? He says, you're not going to see a nickel from it. And... I decided not to sign my distribution deal. I sold 4,500 copies of that CD myself and made like a $40,000 profit Wow! on that. Okay. Do you know how many CDs I would have had to sell with my distribution deal to, to make $40,000? A couple hundred thousand, probably. A couple hundred thousand. Yeah. If I got the money. Right. If I saw the money. So it got to a point where it was almost like, the music business had gotten to the point where I think a friend of mine that works for Yahoo told me that basically for people's intellectual property that goes out in the world these days, they're getting less than one cent mm. per dollar. It's a shame. And when I was younger, when you signed the record deal, you got 50, 50 cents on a dollar pretty much on the songwriting and the publishing, you know? 
So it's it, there's really is no money. That's why record companies now that there are really no record companies. They're basically just distribution. They just print up the records. They're not making any money. Record companies either anymore. That's why they don't exist. A, a good friend of mine in the record business told me, David, that the record business now is like a saloon in a western movie. You go inside. There's no saloon there. Outside there's a saloon. But you go inside, it's just the, it's just the back of a wall. There really is no real record business anymore. Nobody's making money. And and when the ones that are making money, a uh, rock and roll, forget it. And maybe the Foo Fighters and maybe one or two other bands. Uh I, from what I was told, from what I was told, there's a certain band that was very big maybe 10 years ago, a rock band. They're basically in the red right now. And that was, you know, I mean, Joe Perry from Aerosmith is a friend of mine. You know, I mean, those guys are able to go out and tour and make ridiculous amounts of money. That's where the money always was. Touring. Yeah, I agree. So let me let me. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to forego playing one of my originals for a second because I want to I want to I want to play a song that it. uh I didn't want to be like the guy that wrote the COVID song, <laughs> you know, I like, you know, the, the quarantine blues and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I didn't want to be that guy, but if it's okay with you, I want to play a serious song, man. It, it, and, yeah, you it. And this is a song that was done by Reverend Gary Davis, who's a blues musician, a blind blues musician who was a, a played church music, you know, mostly. And, I've been playing this song for the last year for anyone that would listen to it. And uh, it's a little bit of a downer and maybe we could, you know, take some emails and stuff. But it's 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 a song that I want to dedicate to the family and friends and all of the people that we know that was so negatively impacted by the terrible pandemic and that that the lost family members and friends, because it's it's no joke. This is not a joke. This thing This is not a joke. It's it's maybe the reaction to it sometimes by some people and some groups of people is a joke, but itself is not a joke. People are dying. And it reminded me of this great song from uh, Reverend Gary Davis. So I'm going to play it for you. And I hope it's OK. Perfect, man. <laughs> Death don't have no mercy in this land. Oh, death don't have no mercy in this land. Oh, it come to your house and it won't stay long. Look in the bed, you find your father gone. Death don't have no mercy in this land. You leave you standing there crying. This land, they leave you standing and crying in this land. Oh, it comes to your house and it won't stay long. Look in the bed, you find your sister gone. Death don't have no mercy in this land. Give you time to get ready in this land. Oh, 
Well, it won't give you time to get ready in this land. Oh, it come to your house and it won't stay long. Look in the bed, you find everybody gone. Oh, death don't have no mercy in this land. Oh, death don't have no mercy in this land. Oh, death don't have no mercy in this land. Oh, man. I, I tell you, man, that, uh, that well, that, that hits home. Uh, did, have you lost anybody to COVID? Yeah, and I'd rather not, you know, talk specifically about it. But yeah, family members, uh, friends. I lost two very dear musician friends of mine who committed suicide. Um, this is a very sad time for artists because they don't have a way of expressing themselves. And they've lost their connection with their audience and they've lost their livelihood. And I know for me, uh, I'm, I'll be 64 years old in June. I've never been on unemployment my whole life. I've worked my entire life. And I'm not saying I'm not thankful for the unemployment because it definitely helped, especially during this, this transition. But there was so much a part of this that was a human part of it that had nothing to do with the actual sickness itself. Families are being destroyed. Uh, I, I was speaking to somebody this morning who, a woman uh, who's a dear friend of my sister's who's doesn't feel comfortable taking the vaccine. She's being ostracized by her family. I'm not saying whether I agree with it or not, but we're finding out that the tenuous nature of relationships and love and tolerance um you know, a good friend of mine, a guy I grew up with, said to me, Joey, of all the people I know, you're probably the least racist guy I know. Now, I'm not saying this for any self, you know, uh, you know, uh, boosting myself in any way. It just was a conversation he said to me, he said, you grew up in the inner city in Brooklyn. You grew up in gangs. You grew up fighting against black people and Puerto Ricans. And he said, well, how did I said to him, because everybody's a human being and God did this great, you know, like I've known people from all different walks of life, all different, you know, ways of thinking and different types of people. And they're all human beings. And I don't, I'm not going to be foolish enough to distinguish something that God made a choice about that. He made us all. Isn't, isn't the fact that we all, not one person in the world looks like me, or looks like Ren, or looks like you, and has the same fingerprint. Isn't that some kind of a message to somebody that diversity is what God planned? Mm-hmm. And here Absolutely. We are, and here we are dividing our lives among people who think, I don't want to be in a room with 20 people who think like me. I want to be in tw- a room with 20 people who don't think like me. And maybe could convince me of something that I'm too stupid to realize. I, I can tell you that um, 
and and not to, not to, I'm not trying to toot my horn, but one of the reasons that I brought ran along. You know, I'm an old fart, Joey. I, I'm I'm 65, be 66 soon. So you and I are close to the same page, right? Catching up to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are. Hopefully, you don't. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but um, I I I asked Rin because she has uh, she's a young she's in her 20s and she's got that young feel that I. Uh, and, and, you know, we have such a good rapport that we can agree to disagree. And, I, and that's yeah. what I want to get out across to the world. There's, it's okay that you have different views than I do, but I'm not going to hate you for it. You're, you're my brother. No matter what happens, you're still a brother. And you will always be a brother. And we'll just have to come down to say, hey, I, I, listen, Joey, at this conversation, I'm going to have to agree to disagree with you. That's, we're just we're just going to have to come to that point. I wish more people knew how to just bring out that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody seems to know that phrase anymore. I agree to disagree. Well, no. Yeah. Well, yes. Everybody I... wants to fight. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, when that friend of mine said to me about the, you know, the racist thing, and I said to him, the, my answer to him was, I don't fear black people. I don't fear anyone. Yeah. Fear is the biggest is the biggest detracting emotion in our lives. It's a sickness, misery. You know, I did an experiment years ago in New York City. I got on a bus. I used to take the same bus every day. I got on the bus one day and I told people, I said, oh, my God, this bus is this guy's the slowest, worst driver in the world. He he's a miserable driver. Everybody's like, yeah, he's terrible. I want to get to my appointment. The next day I got on the same bus at the same time. I said, oh, my God, what a beautiful day. <laughs> people got up and walked away from me. Okay, I was like seven. Mm. You know, I just I could see people, you know, like drowning in this misery that they've created for themselves. And it's a great way for people to bond. Oh, you hate that guy, too. Yeah, I hate him. Oh, I can't stand it. I used to do that, too, on Facebook. You know, there were like certain musicians or artists. I'd be like, oh, my God. And then, you know, after a while, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just don't want to be part of that because it wasn't that. I was happy about the reaction I was getting. Yeah, that SOB. I guess I was like, dude, relax. I'm just saying I don't like this music. <laughs> just well, don't even do that anymore. Well, listen, man. I, um, I, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not unfamiliar. I grew up with. Uh, uh, I grew up in uh, uh, inner city Kansas City, Missouri, and the school. Right. And the school I went to. Um, was uh, predominantly black. I think there was me and um, I think there was about four other white guys there. No, no girls, right. just four white guys, and then the rest were black. And yeah, I had some difficulty, but uh, I, I learned to stand toe to toe. And the thing that I appreciated about the most is my dad finally decided we need to get out of there. He need, wanted to make a better life for us and move right. us out out west. And uh, not that that was a bad life there. It was just you know, we were we were close to poverty level. I didn't know it at the time. I, do, I looking back, I understand it. Um, but um, he, he, if my parents had a prejudice bone, uh, neither one of them ever showed it. And so I'm very thankful for that. I don't, you know, I, 
I, I'm very pleased to, to have that experience that I experienced in. Uh, I, it, it shaped and molded me, I think, for the rest of my life. And I tried to bring, instill that upon my kids. But it boils down to not just color. It boils down to a matter of opinion. And uh, I think it's important that we understand and respect everybody's opinion. You're entitled to it. We live in America. And it's uh, land of the free, home of the brave, man. So, well, um, you know, and how could you have an issue with somebody who's living next door to you, who's exposed to the same exact thing you are? I mean, if that doesn't bring you together, you know, uh, you know, you're stuck in an elevator and there's people of all different ethnicities. Do you care who the person is that figures out how to get you out of the elevator that's stuck? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. You know, it, it, it is... I think I think racism in general and prejudice against different groups of people, it's ignorant, but it's fearful. But it also is 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 a luxury like like, you know, it really is kind of a luxury to be able to hate people based on what to have so little experience with them that they just make up blanket states statements. Yeah, I mean, the only group of people I could never get along with were Italians. <laughs> <laughs> you put me in a, in a room full of Italians, boy, you got a problem. <laughs> Wait a minute, well, David. What's your last name again? What's your last name again? Leone? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It, it's just, you know, we'll be arguing about whose mother made the best baked ziti. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Big ZD. Oh, me too. No, I'm <laughs> I, all right, listen. Let's we're going to lighten this up a little bit. I, I might, my, I'm going to ask you this question because you're from uh, New York. But my daughter-in-law, um, she, she talks about cheesecake, and I make, I developed my own New York style cheesecake for the bakery. And but she told me it had to have gravy. Now, do you call any kind of sauce gravy that goes on? In <laughs> she meant. No, there is- they, they, you know, my mother called it Sunday sauce. Sunday sauce. So I, you know, I, I've heard discussions about that, but no, I think everybody has their own recipe for the Sunday sauce. So no, I didn't. I, you know, I know there's been a discussion about gravy or sauce, but my mother called it Sunday sauce, and I still to this day call it sauce. Sauce. All right, listen. Uh, listen, I want to help. I want you to get uh, get you to help us answer a couple of emails if you're down for that. Sure. Yeah, let's, we're going to hit the intro here. Stand by. You've got questions. You got an email. We've got answers. An email. You may not like the answers, but we got them. We just got an email. I wonder who it's from. Ask Ren and David. All right, this one comes from. Uh, how, do you, how would you pronounce that, Ren? Is that Leisha? Leisha, yeah. Okay. Looks like Leisha. She says, help, my husband was what? My husband? My husband won't let me preheat my car. Oh, okay. Must not live in the north. Yeah, talk about warm privilege. My husband is a very paranoid person. He won't let me preheat my car in the morning because he thinks it's an invitation for car thieves to rob it. Or if I lock it, I will be locked out of my own car. Someone please convince him this is ridiculous because he won't listen to me. I mean, the odds of somebody stealing a car in a residential area first thing in the morning is pretty slim. Like, that's the worst time to steal a car. How much car thief uh, have you had, car robbery have you had experience with, Joey? <laughs> well, you know, in Brooklyn, you know, it was it was a problem. But in all honesty, 
most car thefts in Brooklyn were people that didn't want to bother selling their car, and all of a sudden their car got stolen. <laughs> you know, they call it insurance job back in those days. So yeah, everybody I know had at least four or five cars stolen. And uh, but no, I mean I think my advice to her would be that there's probably a bigger issue than just the car. I think maybe he's afraid that something bad's going to happen. And that maybe she should consider a hot water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Right. You have been listening to Ask Ren and David. Articulated, well-thought-out answers to your well-articulated, thought-out questions. Wake it up, wake it up, wake it up. If you would like your questions answered, email the General's Wake Up Call at gmail.com. You know, um... I'm, I'm, I really appreciate you taking some time, uh, Joey, and doing this. And, and I want you to come back. I mean, uh, I do though, what I, before we, before we let you go, but I, I want to invite you to come back and I hopefully, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to, I'm going to give Scott a call from, uh, Northern Edge Casino. And and, right. and uh, see if I can't get you uh, booked back out here. So maybe we could do this live uh, downtown. Oh, be, be great! I, I mean, I love playing there. I think what happened was that they decided they were going to go with more local acts and the national touring acts. Um, they were they were kind of going away from. So I think that was what I heard from my agent. But we always had a nice time there. The girl I forget her name that that we were in there with. Shanta. Yeah, sweetheart. You know, I thought we had a good time. You know, they were they were unsure where they were going to put the bands inside. And there was some, you know, I think they were kind of making adjustments. But, yeah, I'd love to come back and, and you know, at least, you know, play some shows, but also hang out and, and see you in person and try to get some of your, you know, your personal motivation tips. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I, I'm doing my best. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, you know, life is too short to always be negative. I try to stay. I, I, I will admit that when I got the the word, you know, the x-ray, when I talking to the doctor yesterday, when I first got home, I was not in the best frame of mind. But, um, I, you know, I, 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 I believe that I'm here for a reason. I believe that, uh, you know, I need to I need to just stay positive and, and, and try to exude that as well. Let me give you. Let me give you. You got a second? Let me give you. Let me give you a little personal something, a little, a little tidbit to leave you with. We're getting ready to wrap up. We are. You lay it on me, man. Oh, all right. So, a guy walks into a dentist's office, and he says to the dentist, "Dentist says, what can I help you with?'" He goes, "I believe I'm a moth. I really believe I'm a moth." <laughs> and he says. You don't need me. You need a psychiatrist. And the guy goes, I know, I know. So the dentist, well, why would you come here? The guy goes, you left the light on. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if I, uh, oh, I, I, I took that. Oh, oh yeah, it's on, on, on the other one. I used, to have, I used to have a sign or a, uh, a sound effect that was. The rim shot. The rim shot, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll have to remember that. All right. Well, listen. Uh, we, yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Is is before the afternoon's out. I'll, I'm going to give him a shot. I will tell you that what Northern Edge did do, 
because uh, it kind of changed management in between the time you were there as well. But they had some major outdoor concerts. Out there. I mean, big ones. Yeah, they had Oak Ridge Boys and uh, 38 Special. They just had a bunch of them. They had a whole series, a whole summer series. So um, I think personally that uh, the way you are with the crowd and the way you uh, the way you the way you work the crowd, you you you, you would be a, an asset for them to come back. But uh, oh, I, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'll house, no doubt. I will definitely give Vim a call, and I, like I say, I appreciate you taking time out of your uh, Thursday afternoon, and we'll, we'll stay in touch, my friend. Please do. God bless you all, and stay safe, everyone. And thanks, Ren. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you, too, Joey. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. I, I absolutely...
your hands in yourself.
Absolutely uh, adore him. He's got the best attitude, and I think um, I, I think we definitely have to have him back. And we'll play more music next time. He's, I agree. He's pretty philosophical. Philosophical, yeah. He, he had a lot of anecdotes. I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, he did. I was just trying so hard to keep turning the board on and off so that the ambient sound wouldn't I cut know. him out. We, we, we're going to have to work on that for sure. But yeah, yeah that was. I think it worked out though. Yeah, you, yeah. Did, you did good. Thank you. Engineer. Thank you. I didn't cut out. Thank you. I didn't cut out too much of you. <laughs> no, you were I left in all the important parts. All right, so uh, I think um, I've got uh, I got to do David Ease. I think. Oh so. yeah, the people need to know. Yeah, go ahead and uh, hold on. Let me see what. Uh, um, see what which one do I want to use today? Just what is David Ease? According to Webster's Dictionary. Well, you're not going to find it there. <clears throat> According to Google. Uh, no. Wikipedia? Not there either, huh? According to my script, David Mees is David's own language. A word of the week. Something like this. All right, I'm so ready. This is Dorgasm. Dorgasm. This is my David Mees word of the week. This is sex in the foyer. <laughs> See, I told you, use that word in a sentence this week. I dare you. This has been David Knees. 
<laughs> How was that? That was uh, that was pretty good. It was very unexpected. That's my favorite part about David Dean. What is this? Oh my god. <laughs> hey, um, do you have a movie to, to review today? Yeah, I think I do. Do you really? I do have a movie. Oh well. Well, let's see. Let's do it. Let's announce myself first. Oh, okay. Uh. Time for Film Rant with Ren. Hate it. Hate them or love them. New or classic, Ren rants on them all. Here's Ren. Hey, it's Ren, and I'm ranting today. I feel so fancy with this music. Um, today I'm talking about I'm Your Woman. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime original. It stars... A lady whose name I can't remember, but she's in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where she plays a 1960s housewife comedian. Oh, she's so cute. But in this new one, I'm Your Woman, she plays sort of a a 1970s femme fatale trope, or at least she becomes one. She plays a a trophy wife to this mobster guy. They have a big house. They have a kid eventually. What's the name of it again? I'm Your Woman. Okay, because I have not even heard of this. I'm going to look it up. Sorry, I had you muted there for a sec, but it's very good. Uh, She's sort of like a... Actually, you know what I think? I think you had yourself muted and you were talking through my microphone. <laughs> Good thing I'm loud. Because <laughs> I was wondering why you were so light. That's why I turned that over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. Okay, so I'm your woman. Straighten it up now. Starring Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She plays a sort of mobster's uh, trophy wife. And one day he just doesn't come home. He's going off on like one last mission and he just doesn't come home. And before she knows it, there's uh, a guy at the house who's like, we got to get you out of here. The boys are coming for you. So she spends the whole movie protecting her child, um, just trying to escape whatever the hell her mess her husband has left her. So this is a drama. This isn't. This is an action drama. Yeah. Um, It's not super sad, though. You know, it's not like a lot of misery there's uh it's exciting action you watch her kind of be timid for a lot of the movie but then by the end when her moment comes baby she shines she takes the reins you know she she kind of teams up with these other criminals that have her back and and by the end they're all wiped out except for her but she does it she doesn't even hesitate she's your woman <laughs> and it's really sweet too because she has a she has a baby and they make a point to say that it was a ado- um the child was adopted and she just is the most epic mother. She's running, defending her kids. Yeah, warms my little heart. I love that stuff. All right, I, I would, I would kind of like that. Yeah, and it's very seventies, you know. So I feel like they kind of took from that. You, I expected it honestly to be a lot more like Quentin Tarantino style, you know, shooting and blood, and she's making all these little quips. But it's not. It felt very small scale and very realistic and it had, drew me in the whole time and that main actress oh, cute as button it's not going to make me tired like the birdcage did is it? <laughs> no 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 birdcage that's that, where they had to wear the the eye yeah the, yeah, the blindfold. yeah yeah no i totally recommend i'm your woman it's a great little action movie all right great let's do it Be listening each week for yet another ranting with Rin. And you, sweetheart, you are just playing mean. She's relentless. That was so good, Rin. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've been chewing that one over for a little bit. Yeah, I like that. Nice. I liked it. All right, so we're down another week. I, I, uh, I, I Our first phone 
uh, interview. Yeah. I think turned out okay. It turned out pretty good. Um, Little bumps, but it helps that Joey was a very well-spoken guy. Yeah. yeah he'd been around a long time, that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously has seen a lot. I, I think he was, he was very heartfelt with what he had to say. Yeah. And I loved his his song to the last one. I don't even remember the name of it, but the serious one. He was on definitely on the serious note. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen. I think uh, for this week, I think we're good to go. I um, we've given everybody all the information they need for the week to get them through. Absolutely. Advice, words, uh, philosophy. Just come to us next time. You need like, some college credits. We I'm got not, you covered. I didn't, I didn't snore in this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just came from work, so I was almost falling asleep at some points, but <sighs> I stayed awake. Yeah, you done good. Yeah, this was a little, uh, this was more my generation than your generation. But... Oh, no, I liked it. I <laughs> wish I had more to say. <laughs> you should see, look at it, look up his YouTube video. I will. You sent it to me. Yeah, he's impressive. All right. Uh, I think our show closes on there still. Ren, I guess we'll, uh, we'll do this again next week. I guess so. I, I think I'm, I can do that. Nine out of ten doctors recommend no, no, no. the That's not it. <laughs> it's on the number two one. Okay. And it's at the bottom. Should be that bottom right corner over there. This one? Yep. Oh, slow close. Goodbye. <laughs> How much fun was that? <laughs> Ren and David will bring you informative fun. Maybe a musical guest or two. And you'll always get a load of laughter. Answered emails, rants, raves, community thoughts, and so much more. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of their wonderful sponsors. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, new episodes are available every Monday morning at 1 a.m. And they would love to hear from you at thegeneralswakeupcall at gmail.com. Be excellent to each other. Always wear your clean underwear.